This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. We study verse by verse through the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 18, verses 12 through 18. But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him before the judgment seat, saying, This man persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If indeed it were a matter of wrong or of wicked crime, you Jews, it would be reasonable that I should bear with you. But if there are questions about words and names in your own law, look to it yourselves, for I don't want to be a judge of these matters. So he drove them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks laid hold on Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. Galio didn't care about any of these things. Paul, having stayed after this many more days, took his leave of the brothers and sailed from there for Syria, together with Priscilla and Aquila. He shaved his head in Sencria, for he had a vow. Let's keep reading. But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him before the judgment seat, saying, This man persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If indeed it were a matter of wrong or of wicked crime, you Jews, it would be reasonable that I should bear with you. But if there are questions about words and names in your own law, look to it yourselves, for I don't want to be the judge of these matters. So he drove them from the judgment seat. Paul must have enjoyed the times governments were on his side. When a government operates as God ordains, certain rights are protected. Throughout Paul's life as a missionary, there were enough times he was protected by the state from the Jews that he probably had a fairly positive view of government in general when it was operating justly. I think this is reflected in what Paul writes in Romans 13, verses 1-4. through Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is an authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Coming back to Acts chapter 18, this precedent set here by Gallio the proconsul almost demonstrates a type of separation of church and state in that he's putting forth that the state doesn't really need to have anything to do with internal religious affairs regarding interpretations about words, names, and religious laws. He's basically saying, the state has the duty to punish obvious wrongdoing, to punish crime, not to meddle in disputes about religious matters. Let's keep reading. Then all the Greeks seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, 
and beat him before the judgment seat, Gallio didn't care about any of these things. What Gallio did in defending Paul from the Jews was just. But looking the other way when an angry Greek mob then beat a Jewish man, not so much the right thing. It's possible that both the crowd and Gallio himself were more so against the Jews than they were for Paul, per se. So who was Sosthenes? Apparently, when Crispus, the former ruler of the synagogue, came to faith in Christ, Sosthenes must have replaced him as the ruler of the synagogue. If this is the same Sosthenes of 1 Corinthians 1 verse 1, then it's likely he eventually became a believer. Let's keep reading. Paul, having stayed after this many more days, took his leave of the brothers and sailed from there for Syria, together with Priscilla and Aquila. He shaved his head at Sancria, for he had a vow. Amazingly for once, Paul wasn't forced out of a city. Looks like he was able to leave on his own terms. Jesus made good on his promise from Acts 18, 9-10 that no one would attack or harm him and that there were many there who would come to faith. Prissa and Aquila would follow Paul back. They had no doubt really connected and established a strong bond and friendship with Paul, partners in the gospel with him. Remember that this couple, with the Jews, had been expelled from Rome by Claudius. Now they're once again leaving another home, this time for a greater purpose. Kind of makes me think of the Hebrews 11 people of faith who were strangers and exiles on the earth, on the move, unattached to the things of this world, with eyes set on their heavenly destination. I can imagine Prissa and Aquila could join such a crowd of witnesses. It's evident from their wide travels that they recognized their citizenship was in heaven. They were at home whether in Rome, Corinth, Ephesus, or anywhere else that their mission called them. To be willing to move on the whim like that from Corinth, I'd imagine they'd need to keep a fairly loose grip on the comforts and familiarities afforded them from home. I mean, if you're so attached to a place and to things or people, I could find it difficult to leave if called to do so. It appears their zeal for doing ministry where and as the Lord led them was more compelling than what quote-unquote staying home offered them. They were attached to Jesus, not to the things of this world. Therefore, moving around for the sake of the gospel didn't seem to be an issue for them. Jesus said in Luke 14, verse 33, Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. In order to follow when the call comes, our primary identity has to be in Christ above anything else. Otherwise, an attachment to a secondary identity that ends up taking precedence, whether that be work, a location, a hobby, people, and so on, can cause us to miss out on the blessings of following the call Jesus has for us at a given time. And we can miss out on being used by God in the manner He intends, at a given time or season, to be a blessing to certain people for the sake of the kingdom of Christ. In Matthew chapter 8, a scribe came up and said to Jesus, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In order to follow Jesus, He has to become our home. We have to be content with Him being our primary identity. 
our first love. In verse 18 of Acts, it also mentions that Paul shaved his head in Sancria, for he had a vow. This was probably a Nazarite vow, as described in number six. This was a special vow in which a man or woman would separate himself to the Lord for a given time, during which the person would avoid coming near a dead body, practice abstinence from wine, vinegar, strong drinks, and any fruit of the vine, as well as not cut the hair. Number six verse six says, all the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall touch his head. Until the time is completed for which he separates himself to the Lord, he shall be holy. He shall let the locks of his hair of his head grow long. When the vow was completed, the head would be shaved and the hair offered to the Lord in a special temple ceremony. Number six, verse 18 describes, and the Nazarite shall shave his consecrated head at the entrance of the tent of meeting and shall take the hair from his consecrated head and put it on the fire that is under the sacrifice of the peace offering. What was Paul's thinking behind undertaking this vow? He certainly preached that believers aren't under the old covenant law and that partaking in old covenant practices and traditions weren't needed to be right with God, but he certainly had freedom in Christ to take the vow. What was his motivation in doing so? The point of the vow was to separate oneself to God for a time. Did he also have an urge to do it for the sake of the Jews? As we've mentioned before in the study through Acts, Paul's motivations for behaving in certain ways were often missional. He wrote, To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. Paul could certainly use his vow as proof to his Jewish opposition that he wasn't anti-Jewish. Perhaps Paul saw nothing wrong with Jewish believers observing such Old Testament forms and ceremonies, assuming their fulfillment in Jesus was also acknowledged. The Nazarite vow would have been a familiar way for someone like Paul, raised under the law as a Jew, to express a special dedication to the Lord. Maybe the worldliness at Corinth had worn on him, and the vow was a vehicle for Paul to outwardly express his devotion to the Lord and recenter him on Jesus. As followers of Jesus, in many areas, we have freedom in Christ to discern, according to our conscience, how we ought to walk before the Lord and others. Let's keep in mind what Paul taught in Romans chapter 14, verses five through seven. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Maybe we've never gone so far as to take a Nazarite vow, like Paul here, but what are some ways in which we too can intentionally dedicate ourselves to Jesus? Ever fasted from something for a time for devotion to God? From normal routines? From TV? From social media? 
from hobbies, from a favorite leisure time activity, for prayer, for Bible study, for service to God and others? Peter instructs in 1 Peter 1 verse 15, As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. The word holy in Hebrews means to be set apart for a purpose, to be separate. Paul's focus was devotion to Jesus and the mission he had for him. is like a treasure in a field which a man found and sold all he had for that land the Lord alone is our portion and our cup
run dry You don't drink the body and blood of Christ and be satisfied That was Satisfied from the Adams Road album, Immeasurable. Who has tricked you to trust in the law again? Are you that foolish you began by the Spirit Are you now Being perfected By your flesh And works you've done Is it by works you were saved Or by hearing with The desires of your eyes Have you left the living waters To make cisterns for yourself? Oh, if you do
That was First Love, from the Adams Road album Immeasurable. This is the Adams Road podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Join us next episode as we examine Acts chapter 18, verses 19 through 23. Grace and peace be with you all.